We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 365 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton, and joining me again is Domagoy Kachainchuk. How's it going, Domagoy? Pretty good. Thanks for having me again. Well, before we get any into any of the real business, the serious business, as they like to call it, if it's related to Dembele, Domagoy, you wrote a book. Yes, I did. It's a big thing, so thank you for giving me this opportunity to kind of do a bit of marketing. <laughs> well, I mean, first... We, we, I don't give away too much, but we need title. We need release date. I mean, even if that's not exactly when you know exactly when that time is going to be. But I also want to know, you know, what led you to wanting to write a, a book, but a book on this particular subject. And more importantly, what got you through the writing process? <laughs> so the book, first of all, the book is about Leo Messi, as many of you may know. Uh, it's basically a book about his tactical evolution as a player at Barcelona. So the early days from the academy when he first signed all the way to his last days at Barcelona. Uh, funnily enough, when I first started writing the book, he was still a Barca, and I thought that he would remain at Barca. So I was like, okay, this will be a book about how he's come so far and you know how he's evolved up until this point. And then, then all the PSG stuff kind of happened. I was like, okay, this changes things a bit. Uh, so I wrote about his early days of PSG as well, a little bit, and kind of gave my prediction for the future. But, you know, I always wanted to write a book. And if I was going to do that, it was always going to be about Barcelona and what better topic to do than Messi. And obviously, Messi is such a popular topic when it comes to Barca. Everyone writes a book about Messi. Just There's just hundreds of books about Messi. So I thought, is there something that's not yet been explored or not explored as much? And I thought, okay, I do tactics and I like Barca and I like Messi, obviously. So why not combine all of that into one, one big topic? And I've tried looking for other tactical books on Messi. And uh, there are some, mostly just as part of a bigger picture in, in Barca. And this is like more mostly focused on him. Of course, you, you cannot just do the individual. You have to do the whole system as well. So I kind of went through, like I, I separated his Barca career into four major eras. And then I kind of analyzed what he's been doing under each of the coaches or the major coaches that he ha he's had so far in his career at Barca. And then I kind of went into his individual profile and, and then how he fit into the bigger picture and, and the whole system at that time. It was a fun, fun journey. It was difficult to write because when you go so far back, 
you know, as far as these academy days, it's difficult to get data, it's difficult to get footage, it's difficult to yeah. get anything. So that was the main thing, the main stumbling block. But there are luckily there are some sites that do have the data, that do have statistics uh, that that I would need. Not, not just the goals and the, and the assists. You need to go deeper into that to see what kind of a player he was and how he changed over the years. And we all know that there is a big change throughout the years. And my main point that I was trying to prove was that Messi is far from a one man, one, one team, one system player, whatever you want to call it, because everyone thinks, well, Messi always played at Barca, so he's only used to playing the Barca way. Yes, but Barcelona have changed over the years and they have changed drastically at some points as well. And he had to adapt to different roles, different positions, different teammates, different coaches, and all of that plays a role. And hopefully the book will kind of shed some light on that and, and show people that, you know, fans and, and, and neutral fans are like that this is the mess he had to adapt, that he had to change the way he played a lot. And, and it makes his story that much more fascinating, I guess. Well, I am looking forward to the, I'm assuming the gigantic chapter you have about the Tata Martino era. Of course, of course. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I know I've read as well a few times from respected people that we almost underestimate that in the academy, he didn't really know how to deliver, not even deliver a final ball, but he didn't really pass the ball. He really exactly. was kind of a ball hog. That was kind of his thing. And, and I, you're definitely going to explain more about that and how, uh, how again, he became one of the greatest passers of all time. Exactly. That's that's one of the big things. And yeah. just looking at that footage from his academy, footage, limited footage that is, you can see it's messy. You can see the movement. You can see how he runs, how he moves. But he keeps his head down, head down and he just goes with the ball. He just runs with the ball. Well, to be fair, he does that often, but, Back then, he would just, he would, as you said, he would just hog the ball. He wouldn't really look for the teammates. He wouldn't really, they, you could see that it's messy, but it just, it was just far, far from what he would become eventually. But yeah, more on that in the book itself, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So again, we, uh, I, I would just implore you to go down in the show notes, click on to, to follow on Twitter for Domogoy. He's going to have more updates on his Twitter account as that comes out for pre-order, all that different stuff. And mm -hmm. we will eventually, again, when the book is, is fully released, we'll have you back on again and we'll we'll get more into the weeds once, once I give it a, a once over, if you will. So, all right, it is the summertime. So we're going to continue to keep things. I, actually, I feel like this show, we're going to keep things light at the beginning and then it's heavy later on. But okay. to continue the light stuff here, a little bit of news and notes. Since our last show, the away jersey was unveiled. So just like the home shirt, it is supposedly inspired by the Olympic Games in Barcelona in 1992, 30 years ago. I don't remember that. I was just a bit too young. But mm -hmm. uh, of course, I being a big fan of basketball, the immediate effects were felt in the United States of America as mm. the NBA went from just being kind of okay to in the mid nineties, Michael Jordan, it was everything in, in that whole, that whole situation. So anyway, uh, Barcelona, uh, in the Olympics in, in, in Spain. Also, I want to say too, the Olympic games in 92 is one of the, the rare times where, as I've said before in the podcast, a city has come out on the other side of the Olympic games and not said that was an entirely insane waste of our money mm. and time. And it was just a disaster for the city cities that have it. That was not the case necessarily in Barcelona. So it is a gold top, bottom, and socks with a symmetrical half map of the city. The sleeves are also multicolored to represent the colors of the five Olympic rings. And the gold is, well, obviously for the gold medals, which is what the athletes strive to win. You know, I, I, I'll, I'll start, uh, Dumagoy. I, I think I like it. I want to see it in person. And I mm -hmm. definitely want to see it with 11 players on the field wearing it. I feel like I'm always much harsher with the with the, the pictures, you know, and, and, and that yeah. stuff. But uh, I, I, as far as the three jerseys this season, 
to me, I think the home jersey, I think it's better than what we've seen for, what, three seasons mm-hmm. now? I mean, again, I'm not, I said it last week, I'm not totally over the moon about it, but I think it's good. I think it's, again, better than what we've seen recently. The gold, I think, is one of my favorite away jerseys recently. And that third kit, I, they, they went to gray instead of sticking to their laurels and their history and, and sticking with the white with the St. George cross. But the leak third jersey looks good to me, too, especially, again, if they're going to go gray and we don't have to do the white conversation, and we could just have that as being a separate, you know, ode to the St. Uh, to, to, mm-hmm. well, St. Jordy, if you will. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, what do you think of the gold jersey? Uh, I definitely like it. Uh, the thing is, with the away jerseys and the third kits, I, we always seem to kind of get good away kits and good third kits, just not the home kits. That's that's the big thing for the last couple of years. Issue, yeah. Yeah, I don't remember. I, I, I haven't bought a Barca kit, one of the new ones, in, in, in years now because I just I just didn't like them. Well, not the home it's ones, at least. 2018, uh, Iniesta for me. It's been for oh, almost five years, yeah. Oh, wow. So there you go. Yeah, I was out in the same. Uh, I think this one that I have on, on me, this is the thing. This is last... Rakitic's last season. This is Rakitic's in the back, actually. <laughs> Fun fact. Um, I think that was the last one I bought. Well, I bought more of them, but I always buy the old ones because the new ones are kind of... Yeah. I don't know. I just... I don't feel it anymore. But this golden one, yeah, I like it. I like the golden one. I like the third one. The home one... <sighs> I, it, as I said, it's an improvement, but I, still, I'm not, I'm not really, I'm not, not really fully into it just yet. We'll see how it looks in the pitch. That's a big thing because sometimes the marketing looks good. They look good in the pictures, and then they come out in the field, and it's, it's horrible. Or it's the other way around. They look good, in the, they look good, uh, they look bad on the picture. Sorry, and then they look good on the pitch. So hopefully, hopefully this year we'll get a bit of both. You know, good on the pictures and good on the pitch. <laughs> that's that would be yeah. the dream. I'm just waiting for a good. Uh, sorry, for a good uh, home kit. That's what I'm waiting for. It, just, it, it feels like it's been ages since last we had like a good solid home kit. And I feel like it matters to the fans as well. Maybe not the players as much. Maybe they always say it's good. They have to, but to the fans, you know, yeah. it just they give the thumbs uh, up. It's yeah, yeah, I, I love those videos where they like the, they get the jerseys for the first time. Like, wow, this is really good. And you can see in their eyes like it's horrible. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> as my wife can attest, family can attest. Whenever the Christmas season or or mm. when my birthday when I was younger, fortunately these eyes don't do the same thing, right? They always say, mm. "Watch the eyes and the smile." And mm. I felt like when I saw Ronald Araujo, I think he's very much the same gift receiver as I am, where if I like it, you're going to know I like it. And if I if I don't and if it, <laughs> it didn't work mm. out, I'm so sorry. But I just that my eyes just they tell the truth. So yeah. uh, it's just the way it is. So, OK, speaking of Barcelona in 1992, let's keep this moving. Sergi Bazwan will be staying at the club, but he'll no longer be the Barca B coach. Instead, Rafa Marquez will take over. He was involved in Atlas's Youth Academy. That was his original boyhood club that he went back to to finish his career where he retired. And so, again, I think he was a youth academy uh, director there for a bit. And then it, I think they called him a sporting direct, uh, sporting president. I think the official terminology. So technically not a manager, but as they say, your first job has to come sometime, I guess. And this will be it. Barcelona, Barcelona Athletic, which I have to continue to, <laughs> to work on. Because I'm saying Barca B for all these years. So he is technically also uh, was currently a youth coach with Alcala, a small club in Madrid that uh, to plug a YouTube video that's coming out in a few days time. I went all the way back in the history of Catalan football and whatever. And I went through a lot of different of those small teams that have been around. And Alcala was one that I even when looking up Rafa Marquez again, had to relook up. So again, a very tiny club and who knows how, how much experience that was and how useful that experience was. So obviously I have no idea how he'll do truthfully due to those salary cuts. I spoke about last week, you know, we can't expect really anything from Barca B next season, because it'll be full of basically Juvenile A 
U19s, uh, you know, and then 20 year old players. So I'm really interested to, to see what Marquez, Marquez though, does with players like Chadi Riyad and Diego Almeida, the two promising center backs and the defensive midfielder, Mark Casado. Uh, in particular, those three players I've circled as, Hey, you know, if he can teach them some things they need to know that are going to be useful for the next level, maybe they can get a few appearances in the Copa de Rey or whatever. So if it's just those three plus Elisha Komash, if those four take a step towards the first team next year to for potentially the year after or two years after that, then I think the campaign would kind of be almost considered a success for me. Again, the, the results don't really matter when the team is that, that young. I want to keep reminding people for that. And then lastly on, on Marquez, I mentioned in passing four years ago that uh, he was put on the USA Treasury Department's blacklist for money laundering and part of this scandal, right? And I didn't do my job as a podcast host and mentioning that since then, he has won a ton of legal battles and has been removed from said blacklist as of September of 2021. So even when I was making my top 50 now two years ago, that turned into a top 75 at Barca Legends, I didn't really think about him for that list. So I, I probably should have, right? Like when I looked at it again, he, he made less than 200 official appearances, but he made almost 250 uh, unofficial or total appearances for Barcelona. He won the Champions League, was a really, really good player, an important time for the club. And, you know, it felt like at the time that Mascherano had his spot on that 75 list. But, uh, you know, I, I should probably take somebody from a previous era off for Marquez because, I mean, he's right there. And it definitely should be another one of those names that I revisit, especially we're going to see, I mean, if, if Laporta and Xavi, again, they played with him and, we're, you know, he was an important signing for Laporta. So you understand that with Xavi in charge and Laporta, the president, his legend status, if you will, is going to be amplified just a bit right uh, at the present time. And, you know, me as a, a, a growing up, like in the USA, obviously Rafa Marquez was a villain many, many, many times in my childhood. <laughs> but that said, yeah, he was a really good player. I, yeah, again, I, I don't have too many other thoughts because I think it's really cut and dry and we just don't know, right? The unknown is kind of what makes this a simplified move. But what we did know was that Sergio Bezuan probably should not have still been in charge of Barca B. That's 100%. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. 
at hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Oh, that's 100%. Because the work that he's been doing all he's done, it's just, it's not existing because Barca B or Barca Athletic, sorry, they're all about developing talent, right? All about producing players for the first team. And I don't think that we've seen anyone really improve or develop that much under him, or at least not, I would say, significantly enough to be to be considered you know, a success. So anything that we get after him should be an improvement, should be. I hope it will be. And whether Rafa Marquez can do a good job or not will, remains to be seen, as you've said. But I'm confident that he will... He will at least, well, he will give it a shot. So we'll we'll see how it goes. As for Rafa Marquez, the player, yes, I absolutely agree. I mean, I loved him as a when I was a kid, and you know, it's for Laporta. It's all about the connections, all about the relationships that he has with ex players, ex staff members. That's why that's how things work at Barcelona. You don't get a job if you don't have a history with the club, and he has, you know, a good history with the club, a successful history with the club. So I guess that kind of makes sense, and I'm not surprised that he would. Will get the job whether he's qualified, whether he has the the skills necessary. Well, that remains to be seen. But as I said, uh, it at this point it feels like anything, any change would be a good change and a welcome change because Barca B have been struggling. Both you know the results don't really matter that much as we always say they shouldn't matter that much. Of course, it's good to win. It's good to be competitive. It's good to be going up. But if the players don't develop, if the players are kind of stagnating and, and, and don't don't really get closer to the first team, then what's the point, right? That's that's the main the main goal of Barca B or any of the, the youth youth ranks is just to get to produce players who can one day step into the first team and, and do a do a job there. And I feel like there's there are potential uh, potentially good players in the academy. There are players that, that have high ceilings, as you've mentioned, a couple of them. And there are more, there are many more that, that could make the step up under the right guidance and then someone who could guide them and, and, and help them make those final steps and kind of finally reach the first team. And because there's so much talent and there's, there's, there's so many players that we should be looking at. And, and especially in these times when Barca cannot really splash the cash for the, the big signings in the market, why not then trust the academy? That's what we've been doing for years and it's been successful. I, th- I feel like people often think, that the academy will always produce next job, the next Iniesta. That's not going to happen. Well, maybe it happens once in a lifetime or twice in a lifetime, but, you know, we still have talents that can be useful. And not every academy player needs to be a superstar. That's also the big thing. They can be, you know, utility utility uh, signings, let's call them signings, uh, promotions. Like Sergio Roberto, for example, he's not really, uh, people say he's he's bad, but he's, you know, he he's a good example how player can be useful, even though he's not, top tier player you know maybe he's he's way past his usefulness at this point uh, i'll give you that but you know at certain points he was useful we needed him he stepped up and that's what the academy can do you know you can provide players who can step up and and, and help you out when you need them the most so hopefully rafa marquez can help us you know help the players reach that at one point 
Well, yeah, I, I want to be clear too about the Xavi Nessa stuff, which is always interesting that I think the way that they came up through the academy and into the first team is different than what the current generation expected to do. Because there's a difference between Rafa Marquez getting them prepared for first team football, because first team football is different than first team football Barcelona. And in the days of Iniesta and Xavi, you look at them when they were, what, 18 through 21 for both of them. They took their lumps. Xavi was booed, thought about leaving. Iniesta Mm -hmm. was halfway out the door, whether, yeah, of course, when he was in the academy and having trouble being homesick and all that, sure. But, I mean, by and large, when he was even breaking into the first team, he was so close to that Rangers to Scotland loan. Mm -hmm. And if he had taken that loan, who knows where his career winds up after that. But both those guys stayed. They took their lumps. And, again, I I think Xavi will say first big season, he was 26 years old. I mean, that's how long it took for Xavi was who we knew him to be before he really did kick it into, we'll say legendary status. And Iniesta, similar thing. I think he was 24 when he really mm-hmm. took that step forward. Right. And, and so these players, you know, I just mentioned Roddy and Al- Almeida center backs at Barcelona are 20 years old. Like you have to be not only ready for first team football, but if you break into Barca's first team, it's because you're of the caliber to win trophies. And like to Gabi breaking in again, that's why these guys are so rare that that he broke in and same thing with Ansu that they broke in and they were ready to win trophies from day one. And so, Mm. again, I want to remind people that the expectation is not even to be prepared for first team football. It is to be prepared to win trophies at a major club, which is a lot to ask of an 18, 19, 20 year old. So, again, just be patient with these kids. And as I said, even if they don't pop up until 2022 or 21, 22 even like an Alice Kayada, right? Like his development was stalled a little bit, but he's coming back now at 23. And he's still, I want to remind people, only 23, which again is three years younger than when Xavi really came good, a year younger than when Iniesta came good. And I'm not comparing Kayada to them. I'm just saying that the path was different back then. You, there was mm-hmm. a, a lot longer release. Now it's, you got to be 17 and ready to win trophies. You got to be 18 yeah. and ready to win trophies. And that's a tough thing to do. And speaking of winning trophies, and one of the things that helps to do that is when you're a fully financed club because you get to bring in good players. So, That's a fun transition as we speak. A TV rights deal could be signed as soon as tomorrow. They would really ideally need to get this done before July uh, 1st. That is the plan. So of all the business happening today, Gerard uh, Romero, of course, is going off for a while. But of all the things that are happening with player movement, that TV rights deal is the one thing that we are pretty sure is going to be signed. Uh, in the next 24 hours. So obviously it's a big day because it's the day that contracts expire. So that that lever, if you will, that Blanca has to be pulled at that yeah. moment. So this would be 10% of the TV rights to a company called Sixth Street, as this would be the first level, the first Palanca, as I said, the level, uh, lever, I mean. And then Sixth Street, that company, if you've never heard of them, I hadn't had to look them up. They have partnerships with Real Madrid, the New York Yankees, and then they own 20% of the San Antonio Spurs. And I was like, oh, that's why I've heard of them. They're a partnership in the San Antonio Spurs. So they're not really new to the sports game, which is a good thing to, to me. So I, I don't really have anything more uh, on that at all. Domagoy, but clearly, I mean, that's the thing that has to be done, right? As, as unexciting as a TV rights deal being signed is, this is the thing that I think is actually most important more than the transfer business. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it has to be done because Barca are in the red, if that's what we led to believe. But that way is true. And I think that. If it helps, sure. I think Laporta knows what he's doing. I hope that he knows what he's doing. He's a businessman, first and foremost, a politician. So I, I, I hope that he knows what he's doing because, you know, all of these deals that we're making, it feels like, you know, we're playing with fire a bit. It, it, there's nothing free in the world of business. So we always have to give up something. Something will, 
it will, it will cost us. You know, you don't get such amounts of money, life-saving money and money that will help you with the transfers and help you sign superstars and stuff. It just, uh, there has to be a cost and we are obviously going to, you know, we'll, we'll be paying for it. We will get the money, but we'll be paying for it, for the money and, 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 other, and other ways. So I feel like as long as Laporta knows what he's doing, as long as he's aware of the risks and aware of the, the chips that we have to put on the table, I'm, I'm fine with it because I'm not, I'm not really familiar with it. I'm not, don't pretend to be an expert in, in business and money and all that stuff. So I'm just going to leave that for, for him and the club to sort. But if it helps and if they are 100% sure that it will work and that it has to be done, then I guess all that we can do is just trust them at this point. <laughs> yep. Yep. You just have to, to trust on that. Uh, that those are the deals that it, it sounds odd again, that those were the deals that he, as the president, was put in charge to make the big, mm-hmm. big decisions that will affect the club's financial future for 10 years, 15 years. Like those are the ones that are going to come down on him the way that, you know, we don't really mention Carlos Tusquets or uh, mm-hmm. any, really anybody else who is involved in Bartomeu's world. Jose Bartomeu, that's the name you always say. That's the name that we'll yeah. remember for yeah. making uh, either a mockery of the club or doing the right thing that, that saves the club, if you will. And it's mm-hmm. it's either, it's really one or the other, right? There's, it's, a, yeah. it's a fork in the road and you're either on the path of salvation or, or you're in trouble indefinitely or you continue on this really bad path. Because the guys he's brought in, that being Mateo Alemanni uh, more than any other, those are the ones that are brought in and those are the guys that do the scouting and are in charge of bringing in players and speaking with agents and the contracts. And of course, supports is a part of those meetings and Xavi is a part of those meetings like he was on Monday with, with Dembele's camp in Sissoko. Yeah. But you know, our main focus, as I said, is going to be the Rafinha Dembele drama. We'll get that in a second. And of course, there is the Frankie de Young stuff, Lewandowski stuff, all hanging in the, ba- the background. But it seems like the first domino for Barca this summer may be Clement Langley leaving on loan to Tottenham. I mean, Lang- Langley being the first, well, not say domino, but it's, it's almost one of those things where between Titi and Brathwaite, Pjanic, it, it's just going to be nice to see somebody leave. <laughs> like, I'm, we're just going to be celebrating, you know, good on you, Lengle. And the irony is of the group that I just mentioned, Lengle is the most useful player. I mean, uh, useful, <laughs> useful player. Yeah, he is. I've always felt like he gets unnecessary hate. I get that he makes a lot of mistakes in the box. I'm not sure if that's just a, a mentality thing, is the, the concentration or what it is, but he always seems to have a mistake in him. That's true. You cannot really escape that fact. But I always liked him because there was one period where he was he was super reliable. He was he was like a good MTT replacement, you know, a left for the center back. That this that just it's rare. And for Barca to to have someone who could be reliable in that position and be a good passer of the ball and still be decent defensively and when he's on his game he was good defensively I, I didn't mind him I was even I was happy with how he played for a long long time and then all of a sudden he started just to fall off the cliff and now it's, it's come to the point where he's just he's a big risk to have uh, in your back line and I get that and I get that he needs to be moved on but I always felt like yes with all that being said he still kind of had you know he was still useful at points you know he was still a good rotational op- option that can that can play the ball out of the back that can find your priority targets and and you know when they're being marked and whatnot and he's a left foot center back that's a big thing we forget that because our targets for example Kunde he's also a ref- uh, right hand right footed sorry center back as well uh we have Mika who, who could slot in I always thought that if Lingley is so so unreliable why not give Mika a shot that was my big my, my big point back then but it feels like with uh, with all the centre-backs that we've been targeting, that 
some have to leave. Umtiti has to leave. Langley has to leave. If we're going to have new center backs coming in, someone just has to leave. And then Langley has some marketability, I guess. He has some, he can be sold. Well, he, he'll be loaned out for sure because of the wages. But I feel like it's easier to shift him out than someone like Umtiti because of the injuries, because of the, the fitness and stuff. So it's ultimately, it's a good thing. But I do feel like he's been a bit of a underrated, maybe overly criticized player in the squad that, that obviously deserves some of the criticism, but at the same time, he's been he's been decent for us. I would say that he's been he's been decent when he was when he was at his you know he was on it. He was he was actually quite quite good. Well, it's a shame that it, he was born in northern France and not in the Pyrenees Mountains, right on the, over the border, which would technically be Basque country. Because if I'm Langley, I'd actually want to go to Athletic Club and rejoin Ernesto Valverde. In the mm-hmm. same way that if I'm Ricky Pouge, I'm calling up Kike Setien. But at this point, I mean, Kike Setien is not managing, but Eder Sarabia, the assistant coach, is yeah. the current coach at FC Andorra. Which, so if I'm Ricky Pouge, I mean, I think that's too low of a level to try to restart mm-hmm. my career, right? Like if I'm Ricky Pouge. But again, it's like for me, again, if I'm one of those players, even Simon Titi, I'm again calling Leon and saying, do you need me to be there? Because if I'm one of those, those players, I'm saying, who is the manager? Who are the clubs? Who are the people? that were around me that are going to help me restart my career. Because again, a guy like Ling Lei is still technically in his athletic prime. He's like 27, 28. So he still has a lot of time left to go, especially as a center back, you know, he'll probably age gracefully, we, we think. But that, yeah, I mean, moving forward in Barcelona system, especially when Xavi came in and it once more put such a heavy emphasis on those center backs to be able to play mm-hmm. the ball and be the ones who break things down. But he's never had that skill set. I, I, you know what I mean? Like he could always do, so he can only do so much for me, and especially in the yeah. Barney system, that was the most he was going to do. So it, it's no surprise that his best season was the last one for Valverde. And then mm-hmm. once Setien came in, Langley's, there was one or two mistakes, and then it started to not make as much sense. And even under Kuman and Xavi, it just it, it doesn't make much sense. So anyway, speaking of making sense, though, under Xavi, time for that, that right-winger discussion real quick here. At the latest, it seems like... I mean, and then Domingo, you can correct me on any of this because again, it's changing by the minute. So if you have something new that you've realized and looking at your phone in the last few seconds, so uh, the latest is it seems like Dembélé's contract will expire tomorrow. Uh, that mm. being June thirtieth, which I explained last week isn't ideal because it would go against the books and the four to one as a new contract and not a renewal, which would not be good. So he doesn't have any offers at the number that Sissoko, that being his agent, wants, and Barca have even lowered the number in the latest offer. Again, it's not reported. Because all it's reported is that Sissoko is like, oh, we have all these other offers, blah, blah, blah. But he would already be gone. He would already have been holding up the jersey if he had other offers that were what they wanted. And I mean, the numbers that we're seeing are insane. Like I, I said last week that I think Barca should be offering somewhere between eight to 10, which is would put him right around the salary structure of, of Ansu and, and right kind of in, in that fourth, fifth, sixth most important player on the team spot. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. even fourth before someone like Lewandowski were to come in or, or yeah. Silver, whoever it may be. Uh, so right around that area there. And, and yet I'm seeing it's reported like 20 is a number that Sissoko is still asking for, which is just wow. absolutely breaking my brain, right? It doesn't make any sense. On the other side of that, though, speaking of too much money, it's also being reported from the Chelsea side of things that Chelsea have broadly agreed personal terms with Rafinha with an offer right. of, of five years at 134K per week, which which are pretty high wages. It's not insane. Like those wages mm-hmm. actually are not insane. Remember mm-hmm. that Barca have multiple players over 200K a week. Mm-hmm. And, but those are the problems. So 134 though, that still means you got to be one of the top 
three to four players, five players on the team. Again, a reminder of that. So they are still aiming, that being Chelsea, to complete the signing, despite Deco, again, a former Barcelona player, holding uh, you know these late talks for Barcelona, who at the moment, it seems like are trying to hijack that deal. But the, the question really comes down to, between those two, right? It's like, <laughs> as a two wrongs don't make a right, neither of those seem like the right choice, but it seems like Barcelona, when the dust settles, they are desperately hoping that it's one of those two players for the right number, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it would be absurd if they had to overpay for Rafinha and let Dembele go because of the way the negotiations went, right? But at mm-hmm. this point, you just have to cut your losses on Dembele and then overpay for Rafinha. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't feel comfortable. And I, I think we're getting to a point now here, Demogoy, that either Barcelona winds up with neither, and now they have nobody for that right wing, and you're going to have, mm-hmm. we're going to be saying Abde's name quite a lot uh, for better mm-hmm. or worse next season. Or they're going to have to either, I don't know how, I just feel like biting the bullet with Dembele, it, it feels like a waiting game, but now they've waited too long, not being Barcelona, but Dembele's camp, they've waited so long, there are no, there are no other offers, and now your contract is going to expire and you're hurting Barca even more by having that contract expire and having to sign a new deal instead of, instead of renewing the way that it would have worked for all parties. And then again, Rafinha, it's just, that's tough, like. He, mm. They should let him go to Chelsea at this point for 70, what, 65 million, 70, yeah. 75 million, right? Like that's, we're talking about Frankie de Young numbers. Exactly. And I don't think Rafinha is that. That's not what he is. I don't know. I don't think that he's a 70 million player. I just don't, don't see it. And we shouldn't, I've, I always said that if we were going to splash the cash for one player, it, it, it should be Rafinha, but not 70 million. And that was just too much. The thing is, the ideal scenario, I would say, is still genuine Dembele because people don't realize that, well, Dembele is still much better than Rafinha, I would say. I still much better player than Rafinha. And I feel like people expect Rafinha to come in and kind of replicate what Dembele has been doing and add to it even more. And I just don't think that would happen. And on the other side of the coin, like Dembele is so unique, not just his profile in the squad, but on the market as well, because there's just not so many right wingers that are at the top level and that can play the way he plays and provide you know the, the skill set that he has it just it is, the market is so dry and that, that if you want a player who's ready and established which bars had clearly won because if you want a project player you, you have Abde, you have Ilias and players like that but they want someone who's established who can replace Dembele immediately and looking beyond Rafinha, there's not too many players who fit that bill but at the same time if you're going to overpay for Rafinha you might might as well just give Dembele more money and then keep him because he's, he's the superior player in my mind. Um, This is kind of a, this kind of setting up for failure here with this question, but who do you think is older Dembele or Fina? I obviously I'm giving the answer by asking this question this way. (laughs) Well, if I was, I was just going to spit, well, I would just, I would, I'll probably say Rafinha. <laughs> Rafinha is older. Yeah, Rafinha is. Oh. It's only, it's only by five or six months, but yeah, oh, Rafinha right. is the older player. So again, a reminder mm. that while I was just saying this thing about Xavi and Yesta just before, Rafinha mm. is a bit of a late bloomer. Mm. And it, it, it's been basically one and a half seasons that we've seen this level from him. So yeah. it is a bit worrying in that way, where Dembele has been this slow burn since he was 19 yeah. years old from 19 to 25. We waited six years. Mm for him to come good. And he's finally come good under Xavi. And Xavi really is the main piece in in that whole thing, right? Like Mm -hmm. the only reason I think Dembele is hanging on is the fact that Dembele wants Barca and Xavi wants him at Barca. And it's Barca who don't want him at that number, which is totally fair. And it's his camp, his agent, Sissoko in particular, that either doesn't want him at Barca, but or or wants too much from it and wants Premier League money. So yeah, it seems like if football was just the romantics and football, 
Ben Dembélé would playing under Xavi because that makes all the sense in the world, but it's not. Again, this is just such a, a stark reminder that this is all more of a business than it really is about yeah. what happened on the field. Truly, like it's such a shame. And Barca fans have been living in this for the last few years now that regardless of what you hope happens on the field, we've got to be talking about what's happening off the field. And in particular, we've got to be talking about what's happening in, in Catalan banking accounts or and French banking accounts because yeah. that's the thing that's moving and shaking in the club especially over the summertime. Mm, yeah, we'll see. I mean, the figures that uh, Sissoko was asking at first, well, that was reported a while back, that was just crazy. At 20 million, it's just, I just wouldn't go that. I wouldn't go anywhere near that. No way. I've, seen some, I've seen some reports of about seven, eight million. And that was like, okay, we can do that. That's the that number, a, yeah. Yeah, that was apparently the initial number, or was it the, a bit lower than the initial offer, or the, the latest offer, sorry, that was on the table, and that was the Miller probably refused that offer, or, this, or he is, his agent refused it, and then Barca lowered it or something. I'm not Maybe sure. Maybe went down to six. Yeah, yeah oh, well, down to six. Yeah, it was like almost a, it was almost down to six because it was, hey, you know, you're going to act like this, so, you know, you have no leverage here. Like, Barcelona are making mm-hmm. that, that play now that they have the leverage and saying, oh, you wanted a new offer because that was what it was. So yeah. So, Hardline said, you know, we're not going to come back to the table until they have a new offer. Yeah. And so they were, came with a new offer, but it was even lower, which it was again, lower. It mm. feels like the negotiations are over, right? At that point, like if you come to the table and offer me less, it feels like this is yeah. over. But once again, it's like this agent, not even the, it's because Dembele wants to stay. Xavi wants them to stay. It just feels yeah. like the Soko has no leverage. But again, Barca have very little leverage because if exactly. one of these Premier League clubs picks up the phone and says, hey, you know, we have 10 million euros or 12, 13, 14 million euros burning yeah. a hole in our pocket. We'd love to bring in Demolay at the 11th hour. Yeah. Excuse me. Hey, we're Newcastle. Let me introduce myself. <laughs> and, you know, that's then he's gone overnight. Right. And that's all it took. But it's so weird because you would think that if there was someone who had that money, well, they are obviously clubs that have that money. But if there was someone who wants Demolay, they would have called already. I mean, at this point. Yeah. He, sh- he would have been gone if there was someone waiting for his signature. I mean, he's a free agent. All he had to do is come close or, well, give a better offer than Barca, which isn't that difficult because Barca are broke. So I guess I guess he really doesn't have any offers and, or any offers that would satisfy him or clubs that would satisfy him. So I guess his main leverage, I would say, is that, he, that, that his profile really is unique and the market for the right wingers or left for the right wingers. Well, he's both. He's ambipedal, so there they go. But the market for those kind of players is so, so dry. And I don't, I feel like Rafinha would have been the ideal replacement. He's not as good, but he would have been the ideal established player to come in and replace Dembele if he was to leave. But if he's so expensive, then just give Dembele a bit more money and just make him stay, I guess. And if he doesn't have any other offers, I feel like, I always feel like he would stay in the end, but <laughs> I don't know the, the whole game. I understand the fans and their frustrations that with Dembele because yes, I've been frustrated myself, and I don't think that he deserves or that he's warranted that kind of money that was initially talked about the twenty million stuff. That's just ridiculous. But I do feel like he is a unique player, and he's he's a top player that would that we need. We we need to have such a player in our team, and um, if he can maintain that form, all he has to do is remain consistent. And the thing with his consistency was the injuries because he was never going to be consistent with, with so many so many injuries. As long as he stays fit, I feel like he will perform. He may have those dips that he usually has, but I feel like it's it's going to be he's going to be on the up. I feel like, and whoever keeps hold of him or gets him this summer, it will get a good player. 
and for Barca, unfortunately, it, it just it has to be at a, re- at a reasonable price because we just we just still we're still broke and we're planning to sign players who will cost a lot of money. So I guess I guess, <laughs> I guess that's the trick. <laughs> yeah, and another one of the big factors here about the Rafinha stuff, like it always feels kind of shady that Barca is a team that's quote unquote trying to hijack the deal. It's what they did with Frankie Young and PSG. Uh, and, you know, I think there are those who are proud and boasting their chests out. And I think the club does this a bit, too, that says, hey, we're Barcelona. You know, as much as you say that we're dead in the water, that we're, you know, that we're done, that we've had the coffin, the funeral, the procession, it's over. Barcelona are taking a step back and Real Madrid are the all-conquering side. And there's Premier League and Barcelona are just going to be second rate. For all those that say that, the other part is that Lewandowski is willing to force his way out of Bayern Munich. To, to come to Barcelona that you have again, Rafinha who could have, I think was on the verge of Arsenal. It was pretty much done and dusted now on the verge of Chelsea who can afford him at a num- that number that Leeds United wants. And yet him and his agent Deco are still fighting to come to Barcelona and that's a club he wants. And they're even, even Frankie de Young, let's do Frankie de Young now too. Uh, it's a similar thing where Frankie de Young, I mean, Man United, the latest on Frankie now is that Man United and Barca agreed to deal for de Young for 85 million euros a guaranteed 65 and then 20 million euros in add-ons, many of which I've, I've heard are rather easy to hit metrics for him. Then Man United, the thing they have to do left is to agree personal terms with Frankie de Young, which in this case may be the hardest part if he doesn't want to go. But you know, unlike Umtiti and Brathwaite and Pjanic and Coutinho before them, as I mentioned, de Young is a starter in either team from day one of the preseason yeah. and maybe less of a starter at Barca, to be honest, but still living in Barcelona where he always said he wanted to be a reminder mm-hmm. as well. So until Xavi says, I don't want him, I, I don't know if it has to be public, but until he says to Frankie de Young, Hey, ideally it's going to be Busquets, Pedri and Gabi. That's what I want to see until Xavi sits down with him and has that conversation or says that publicly. I don't see why Frankie would agree to leave at this point. I mean, it's, it's really not on him once again, especially with these levers being, it was the same thing with the, the Dembele situation and even the Holland rumors back then that if Barca are going to be able to pull these levers now for their financial picture, then if I'm Frankie de Young, I'm saying like, why me? Like, why am I the one at this point mm-hmm. that you still really feel like need to go? Is it really just because you want to go after Bernardo Silva, right? Like at this point with those levers being, being done, you know, can they afford to renew, can't they uh, uh, renew Gabi, renew Dembele, uh, bring in Lewandowski for, I mean, it might be up to 50, but if he's your big, big signing and then the rest mm-hmm. are free transfers, then why is Frankie de Young leaving if that's the case, right? If there's just one guy they're going to spend money on. We know that the left-back spot is pretty much it's just going to be Jordi Alba again and maybe yeah. this is the backup next season. But we also expect that, you know, and then I would start to throw away the Kunde idea, right? Is it is it Kunde or Frankie de Young? Like, we've had that conversation too. But yeah, I mean, if Frankie doesn't want to leave, again, you can boast that Barcelona, it's a testament to them. That, yeah, it's a testament to the city when it comes to the Pianitas, again, of the world that <laughs> they want to live in that city, sure. But Frankie wants to also play for FC Barcelona and the pull of playing for that club in that city. It goes a long way in, in, in the global transfer world. You know, it just it, it matters. It, it matters. It really matters, especially when you compare it to where he's supposed to go. You, you're trading Spain and Barcelona for Manchester. Well, I've been to Manchester. It's a nice city, you know, but it's not Barcelona. It's not, not as sunny, not as warm. And I feel like, yeah, for Frankie, especially, I feel like when he says that he this is his dream club, this is his dream city to live in and, and, and the club to play for, I believe that. I feel I feel like that's why it's so difficult to let go of him. Sportingly, you can kind of make sense of it because, yes, he's had his dips. He's not been this world-breaking player that we 
expected him to be at all times. Sometimes he has been, but he's been inconsistent with you know his dips and all. But it feels like we're all emotionally attached to him at, at, at some level because he is. So, he seems genuine. He seems nice. He seems lovable. He is lovable, and that's why this is so difficult. But at the same time, if there's a good offer and there has to be a good offer like Barca if, if they're going to sell Frank and Dion they have to sell him for good money because we cannot keep this trend of buying players for high high uh, high prices and then selling our players for low prices that's just not the way we should be doing no no things. you can't pay 60 you cannot in any universe pay 65 million for Rafinha and do 65 million guaranteed plus exactly. 20 million for Frankie like those exactly. numbers just don't add up to me it doesn't no way. Exactly. Yeah. The only universe in which you sell Frankie is if you have an offer that is that is legitimately good, like satisfactory. And I'm not, I'm not saying like a bunch of add-ons, just give us the money and, you know, that's it. Um, and then that money needs to be spent well. I feel like if Barca go into the market looking for a replacement for Frankie De Jong, if you're not going to find another Frankie De Jong, you have to find a different player be for a different position or maybe if, if it's midfield it has to be a different kind of player and I, I see well Bernardo Silva obviously a quality player and he would fit Xavi's sister he would fit, fit a midfield three he would also fit Xavi's kind of box midfield I also he, he fits that as well but as you've said there are positions on the pitch on, on, on a squad that would need to be strengthened if we had the money from Frank de Jong then we have to use it well and I, I feel like is, is this a sporting decision by, by the board? Is it just financial decision by the board? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not really sure what to, what to say on that. Um, I just, if Frank is to be sold, he need, we need to make sure that, that we get the right money and we need to make sure that we're going to use that money well, which is two things I'm not sure that we're going to get <laughs> yeah. from this deal, which is, which is the worrying part, I guess. Uh, right. Uh, yeah. Well, right. And again, I want to say Bennett, but the finances again, that, the TV rights deal and some of these other levers or are for contending with the short-term debt that Barcelona as a club do currently have, which is in a sense separate from the fair play that selling Frankie, getting rid of his wages off the books has would still have a lot to do with the fair play limitations set forth by La Liga. So a reminder too, that it's like, it's, we'll say different levels of pain that Barcelona are in. It's different, different places where that money's going. Uh, in this instance. And this is more about the that that transfer number coming in for mm-hmm. financial fair play and also getting his wages off the books again to help with salary limits, as opposed to, again, what the club, that being FC Barcelona, owes for whatever they owe Liverpool for Felipe Coutinho left, whatever they owe for mm-hmm. a million different other things, right, yeah. that they, they've taken out. So with this whole thing going on, too, um, this is our final little note here. As all of this is happening, we're also char- starting to hear some chirping from Ronald Koeman and Tony Frescia, Victor Font, uh, which I don't think, you know, people are conspiratorially saying that it's all coordinated. I don't think it's coordinated at all. I just think it happened to be a matter of coincidence that multiple guys have had the, especially with the Barca financial year ending. I think it's no surprise that certain journalists that have connected to those managers or, or those figures are putting a microphone in front of their faces just as the financial year of Barcelona is ending. And especially when Barca might be getting some bad news or when all the dreams are not going to come to fruition, obviously, for the situation that Barca are in. So uh, it, it's no coincidence. It, again, that I think is the only coincidence that the time of the year befits, you know, the, the former powers to be or the guys who never got to be in Font's case and Freixo's case to, to have a microphone in front of them. 
of course. I mean, that's the that's the ideal situation, ideal moment for them to uh, stir the war a bit, just just get their voices heard. And and I, I guess I mean we'll, we'll never know. I mean we'll never know what could have been. I guess maybe maybe we will know somewhere down the line uh, if, if if Font ever gets the chance, his chance to to shine. But at this point, we just let Laporta do his thing, and mm. we'll <laughs> and we'll see what happens next. I guess. <laughs> yeah, isn't isn't that the yeah right? That is a Kool-Aid who's uh, has won Laporta as their president. Let's see what happens next. <laughs> is it good? Is it bad? Who knows? But it's going to be something. The magic be something. Laporta. <laughs> so, all right, Demagoy, uh, this was fun. Thanks so much for this. Again, you follow him on social media down in the show notes below uh, on on Twitter. So we're also on Twitter and Instagram too, at the Barcelona pod, at Hope D13 for me. There's Patreon, there's Facebook. Again, we're on Twitter, as I mentioned, and we're also on YouTube. And I also have to mention the merch store, but going back to YouTube real quick. So I do have coming out in the next few days to look out for that. For those, again, the guys and gals who really get in the weeds here, the ones who want to know about the Catalan history of 120 years ago, 100 years ago, not a lot of images, not a lot of pictures, but a whole lot of information, a whole lot of numbers and figures and, uh, you know, a lot of the foundation of what we know is football today. So it was, it was an interesting research paper I did. And basically that research paper was turned into a YouTube video that'll be out in a, a few days. Again, it's taking me a bit of time to, to, to dig as deep as I possibly can for some images and, and things to, to brighten it up a little bit. But most importantly, though, thank you so much for listening to the Barcelona podcast, because that video will also be out. That'll be our second show of the week. That'll be out in a few days. So it's like 30 minutes long. So that will be the second podcast of the week. So just look out for that. Uh, again, that is the Barcelona podcast. And until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Before it's Barca. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.